The Great Eight continues on the Biz Women Rock podcast. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your happy host, Katie Kremitzos. I'm so happy that you're here. We are still in the midst of the Great Eight Countdown, which means these are the top eight most downloaded shows of all time in the Biz Women Rock history. And I'm just going to say for the record that there is a reason that these shows have been the most downloaded. While I'm definitely biased in saying that I believe that every single guest that I've ever had on here is pretty darn amazing, you know, these eight people, uh, actually there's nine people because today's show has two guests, um, but these shows, particularly amidst and ingrained in the stories that they're telling, are very practical, usable Uh, tools and strategies that you can take away and go use for your business. So today's show happens to be from one of our Shark Tank, Shark Week uh, features back in 2014. It is Charlotte Clary and Bev Vines Haynes, who are the founders of Ice Chips Candy. This original interview goes into their experience on Shark Tank, the impact Shark Tank had on their business. And then Charlotte literally just called in because I asked her to give uh, the entire community an update on what's going on two years later. So make sure to listen all the way to the very end. And Charlotte has given us an update, which uh, just gave me goosebumps when I was hearing it. I mean, we're talking massive, like massive, massive things happening in their business. So make sure to listen to the very end, okay? So here we go, the great eight, the eight most downloaded shows of the Biz Women Rock history, and you are listening to the third most downloaded show, Miss Charlotte Clary and Bev Vines Haynes of Ice Chips Candy. The Shark Week celebration on Biz Women Rock is continuing in full force, and today's interview is with the owners of Ice Chips Candies, the grannies of Shark Tank, Bev Vines-Haynes, and Charlotte Clary. Their episode aired in November 2012, and their business had actually just started a little over a year prior. And at that point that they were on Shark Tank, they were already a $360,000 business. As of the date of this interview, their revenues were now at $3 million. You are going to love these ladies. They are so fun. And their Shark Tank story has a cool little twist. So let's get rolling. Hey, Charlotte, thank you guys so much for being here today. Hey, hi. <laughs> We're doing great. That's awesome. I'm so excited to have you guys here. And I got to tell you why. When I first watched your show on Shark Tank, like my heart was pounding the entire time. It was probably one of the most like dramatic little scenes that I had seen on there. And I really enjoyed it. And I totally fell in love with you right away. And so this is just a cool opportunity for me to bring your story to the entire Biz Women Rock community. So in order to kind of set you up for the Shark Tank experience, I really want to get a little bit of a background to Ice Chips Candy. How did you guys kind of even come up with this idea of how to create this? I'm Bev. I came up with the idea originally, but there was one ingredient that was keeping it from working. And Charlotte took that ingredient out, and suddenly we had our ice chips. So 
we were looking for a healthy candy for our combined 41 grandchildren. And we just wanted to be able to guilt-free give them some really good candy. Wow. Now, I got to ask, how old were you guys at this time that you first came up with this? Because it definitely obviously turned into a business. And I'm sure, you know, at some point in life, you're like, okay, we were just kind of doing this for our own family. And now we've got this business out of it. Like, where were you in life when you finally realized, like, wow, we've got something here? Well, it happened really quick, because at that point, we had 37 grandkids between us. And we made the candy for them, and we really had it on store shelves in a couple months, wow. at least locally. So we knew the second it was almost out of the pot that we had something. So that's how old we were. <laughs> <laughs> so not too many grandchildren ago, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when you came up with the idea, you started getting it in stores when you went on a Shark Tank, you guys were only a little over a year old as a company, but you were already at 360 plus thousand in revenues. So I want to kind of capture how you got there in the first place. So what were some of the major components that started really accelerating all of those sales for you? We had started testing the market by sending out little samples of the candy to our local health food stores here. And we started with health food stores because we knew those were the ones that were going to understand xylitol. And so we'd send them samples, and of course they loved it because it does taste good. And then they would call us back sometimes before we even got a chance to check back with them to see if they were interested in buying. And that kicked us right out of the gate with two or three dozen local small stores in the Puget Sound area, and then we ended up with a sales guy coming on board that tasted the product at a family friend's funeral wow. and said, oh my gosh, I have to be a part of this. And so he understood the concept of what we were doing, and he took the ball and ran with it and got us in all 50 states. Wow. Right before Shark Tank Air, he did that in about a year and a half, yep. Oh my goodness. That's like every business's like wildest dream is to have like a rock star salesperson who's just like, let me go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, he was. You guys didn't know him before? He was just somebody who came across your product? Yep. Yep. Wow. Friend of the friend. Just a friend of a friend. That's incredible. Can you do just a quick explanation of the product and why xylitol itself is so important in that product? Well, xylitol is about 99% of our product. Xylitol is a natural alternative to sugar. Your own body creates xylitol and the vegetation creates xylitol. It's just that it's very hard to get it out of most plants. Now, when we started this, we were actually buying a xylitol candy for all these kids, but then we got a little more knowledge and understood that the xylitol we were using was coming from genetically modified corn. And we can't give that to grandkids. So then we looked for another source, which comes from birchwood. And to get that, it's the most expensive natural sweetener on the market. So all of our product is organic, GMO-free, birchwood, hardwood, xylitol. Wow. And then what happens with xylitol, it's considered a polyol, and the structure of it molecularly does not allow germs and bacteria to stick to it. So when you suck on xylitol, then any germs and bacteria slide right off your teeth. Oh, wow. And that's why they pay to give it to kids after they brush their teeth at night and to keep their mouth cleaner through the evening. What kid doesn't love that, being able to have candy after they brush their teeth? <laughs> exactly. 
So what did your operation actually look like at this point in time before you guys really got onto the show? You had things pretty set already. So can you kind of explain like your model at that time? Go for it, <laughs> We actually moved out of Charlotte's one-car garage into my brand-new two-car garage and created a kitchen, a shipping area. We had everything we needed. And I think probably the most we had in there were seven employees. Then we moved to a facility that has grown to 5,000 square feet. We have 34 employees. And in two months, we are moving into a 21,500 square foot facility. My goodness, man, rapid growth. Very rapid growth. We are trying to go from making 6,000 tins of candy a day to 100,000 tins of candy a day. Wow. What would you say has been one of the most challenging parts? And, and I really just want to kind of stay in this time period before you got on the show, because we're definitely going to go and dig in deep on that particular experience. But what would you say up to that point was probably one of your biggest challenges that you guys had separately or together? Making enough candy fast enough to keep the bills paid in an economic downturn that hit since both of our husbands were in the building business. And just learning, it was an amazing learning curve. Find out how to bring in product to learn about margins and bring the margin of our product down where people could afford to buy it. Because in the beginning, we were paying $250 for every 55-pound bag of xylitol. Wow. Now, I buy two 18-wheelers full for a whole year, and we have it down to about $150 a bag. Wow. How are you guys doing that? Are you like negotiation queens or what? <laughs> yes, I love it. I love to negotiate. So my husband even lets me negotiate any new car sales. So um, <laughs> I, I enjoy negotiating. <laughs> So let's talk about where you guys were back in 2012. Your particular episode aired originally in November of 2012. What was it that sparked you to get interested to get onto Shark Tank? Was it one of your ideas or did somebody recommend it for you? Or how did you really get that ball starting to roll? I think we started watching the show. And I, I think both couples were watching the show. And at one point the year prior... I had filled in a little thing online but never heard back from them. And then one of Charlotte's daughter-in-laws wrote the show. They checked us out and they called us. So we didn't actually go to them. They came to us. That's pretty rare. And then you kind of went through the process and you ended up actually getting on the show. Let's fast forward to that moment of being on the show. What exactly did you have to prepare in order to be able to stand up there and give your pitch and do everything you needed to do. Talk about some of those behind the scenes preparations that we don't see. Well, one of the things you don't see is that during all this preparation, Beth had pneumonia for two or three months and was very sick while we were trying to do all this. And we had to prepare a two minute pitch that gets delivered to the show. And because of her being sick, we could never get all the way through that pitch until we got down there. And even the hundreds and hundreds of times we tried it, she just wasn't making it through without coughing and things. And it wasn't until we did it on the show that we did it 100% correct. And you nailed it, by the way. Like Barbara Corcoran even just congratulated you just on your pitch before they even went into questions. So you, you nailed it. 
she was a very good cheerleader. Uh, she is a wonderful woman. But then, on the other hand, the pitch was awesome, and I attribute that to Bev because she's a writer by nature. So any of those projects she gets, and then we bring life to them. That's great. Okay, so you gave your pitch. So for those of you listening who either have not seen the show or it's been a while since you've seen it, just give us kind of a play-by-play of some of the major parts that happened during that reel. Well, we were on there for 52 minutes, and it gets edited down to eight minutes. And it was like a firing range of questions that started out to me and to Bev, and then they were crisscrossing, and she didn't know what I was answering, and I didn't know what she was answering, and we just had to trust each other. And I think one of the interesting things is, as far as we know, we're the only company they ever branded. And they started calling us Granny Charlotte, Granny Bev, and uh, and Mr. Wonderful actually got a little cranky at one early point in all four of the other sharks said, you can't be mean to the grandma. <laughs> By the next morning, everyone in America felt completely comfortable to call us Granny Beth and Granny Charlotte when they called or wrote. That's pretty special. It is. I, I can't thank them enough for calling us the grannies. Now every can of candy and every t-shirt, ice chips t-shirt, has on the back of it Granny approved. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I love best about you guys is that you have really embraced the whole Shark Tank experience because I've definitely talked to people who've been on Shark Tank who who don't really even like talking about it anymore or they're kind of sick of the fact that people always want to ask them about it. But you guys really embrace that. I mean, you even have like a Shark Tank variety pack of candy available on your website. So you've definitely like branded yourself with it. You've allowed that to really make a difference in what you do. You know, Shark Tank was such an amazing experience and ride we decided early on we would take advantage of that marketing moment and use it and use it. And we <laughs> love the sharks and we love uh, ABC. It was really the most wonderful thing that could have happened for us. So one of the things that was so interesting about your particular segment was that Barbara was the first one who came in with a deal for you guys. And then Mr. Wonderful jumped in and said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll partner in with Barbara. And she actually, like, actively did not want him in her deal, adamantly did not want him in. And then a little later, Damon kind of went in, and then he ended up saying, no, 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 I'm going to do this on my own. I don't want Mr. Wonderful in either. What is going through your mind when you're watching sort of the dynamics of the sharks together? Because one of the reasons that they're called sharks is that they're definitely friendly with each other sometimes, but they can be absolutely against each other at some point. So what are your thoughts that were going through your heads when you're kind of watching the dynamics happen? I think we were just surprised that they were that transparent in front of us, but they kind of made us laugh. And the fact that we were out there almost an hour, it, it got, it got comfortable. And it wasn't odd for them to talk openly in front of us. But I was surprised when she said she wouldn't do a deal with him. (laughs) Well, honestly, it kind of made us think, well, okay, we probably don't want to deal with (laughs) Mr. Wonderful right now. (laughs) So they knew what they were doing. They were calculating how they were playing that game. And it is a game show. People have to understand. They get so wrapped up in it. But it is a game show. So you guys ended up doing a final deal with Mark Cuban and Barbara Corcoran and shaking hands on the deal at the end. 
the deal that you came up with was 40% of the company for 250,000. Can you let everyone know exactly what happens right afterwards? Cause you're all excited. You're like, yay, we got this deal. Like what truly happens right afterwards? We were ecstatic. We were delighted. One of the things that made us laugh is we had been schlepping all over that old MGM lot, which is the Sony lot now. And everywhere we went, we had to walk. And when we walked out of that building with our deal, there was a golf cart waiting. And the guy looked at us and said, you don't walk anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You're VIPs officially. (laughs) There's just so much paperwork. You cannot imagine the piles and pounds of due diligence. And it goes on for weeks. So we were on that euphoric hike for a long time. And then you begin to realize his point of view and their point of view. We began to realize, ooh, this isn't all as easy as it looks. So what truly happened there? Because you guys are sort of like, I mean, obviously both companies are kind of doing due diligence upon one another. Do you actually meet up with Barbara and Mark or is it sort of like my people are calling your people? Like what was your experience and sort of those after effects of dealing with each other's companies? Mark Cuban's crowd kind of took the lead on that and sent out their financial people out to our facility here for a couple of days and watched and talked to us while we were sending all this paperwork back home. And then Barbara's crowd kind of follows that lead on that one, although they were doing some of their own due diligence. But it literally took four pounds of paperwork to turn into them. Oh, my goodness. And Barbara invited us to New York, so the relationship was a little bit personal. We did get to go to New York City, and we met with her and went to one of her business seminars. Got it. So what people may not know is that you, even though you kind of had this deal in front of the cameras, you actually didn't follow through with the deal. So can you talk a little bit about what happened in that aftermath of kind of researching each other? Well, the first thing they tell you when you go in there is this is a gentleman's agreement. Either side is free to bow out before the final papers are signed. Um, One of our sharks wanted a little bit more say in what was going on than 40%. And they wanted more, we felt like, disbursement. Every time we had disbursement, they wanted part of it too. What does that mean anytime you had disbursements? What does that mean? Anytime we paid a bonus, anytime we decided to let go of any of the money in the company that they wanted, actually 75% of it was me and Charlotte splitting 25%. That was probably the first time we went, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So that, and then they didn't like the way our business was structured. So we agreed in what month was it? I think it was November almost. We were at the end of October, we were in New York, and we agreed not to make a deal. Wow. So for a long time, we thought it was still going, and we were very happy with that. But then when it didn't go on, we became very happy with that. (laughs) All of a sudden, you had 100% of your company again, right? Yes. Yes. A lot of people were writing to us saying, you gave away too much, and We hadn't questioned it. 40% seemed logical at the time. But then we began to go, really? And then we listened to what people were saying to us, and it did seem like a lot. And now today, we would agree that it was a huge amount. So we're very happy it didn't happen, and we still own the whole company. Now, I will say this. 
Bev and I didn't get caught up in the moment on the show and give them 40%. We had pre-agreed that that would be our limit. Just because you pre-agree doesn't mean it's the best idea. <laughs> However, <laughs> and to this day, we laugh about the fact that Damon John was willing to take 25% and remove all the manufacturing away from us. And we're still kind of going, wow, what would that have been like? I know. <laughs> Are you, you kicking yourself right now that you didn't take that deal? Yes, I do. A little bit. A little. We went in there wanting Mark and Barbara, and when they teamed up, it just swept us away in emotion. And uh, clearly, Damon's deal was better, and we should have taken it. <laughs> but it all worked out great in the end, so we're happy. Pretty much once you guys decided that you're not going to go through with this deal, everything kind of stops from there. So any connections that they would have made for you, any recommendations, any sort of interest that they would have had in your company is sort of gone. So what steps did you take thereafter once you finally realized like, hey, they're not going to be part of our company? What did you learn from that experience that you now implemented into your company moving forward? Honestly, we came home and just kept doing what we do making ice chips and selling ice chips and gaining customers. And now we are at the point where we are uh, moving into those markets that they promised to bring us. We're going into those markets ourselves. Now. Yes. And one of the things I noticed is Mark Cuban, honestly, I will say this, he is an absolute packaging genius. He looks at everything and sees it as it isn't. And so he thinks way outside the box. And that was extremely helpful to us. And I think since then, we've been able to look at packaging in a different way, too. How do you mean with the packaging? Like changing up what the colors are or what you're doing on it or what logos? No, not that part. Just the early design concept of the packaging combos themselves and different things that you can look at and ways to see it differently. We've always had it in our skin. And he saw it in a box, like little nerds candies. He could see that. So it was exciting to be able to realize, oh, my gosh, there's an entire world of marketing and packaging out here that we need to think outside of what we invented. So you kind of went back to the drawing board in some senses as far as like we had the attention and the eyes on us from all these great investors for almost an hour. And now we can take that information and now kind of relook at our business and where we want to go. Which brings up an interesting subject. We've never taken on any investors. Our bills are paid, cash is in the bank, and we're growing on our own. Wow. You guys are on pace to hit about $3 million in revenues for 2014. Is that correct? More than that. We're, that's where we are now. Oh. So we still got four months to go. Very good. So one of the things that is most interesting to me is that there's a huge amount of press, really, and media attention that comes from Shark Tank. Whether you make a deal or not, I have noticed. What kind of after effects did that attention garner for your company? And what major areas has it made things easier? And have there been any ways in which it actually has been challenging? It made everything easier, period. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, the attention that Bev and I get just out in the marketplace, people will recognize us uh, separately or together. The company, we have so many different press releases, newspaper articles, videos, evening magazine, Como News, and then we do different trade shows that we speak at and a lot of speaking things, and it just kind of piles up and keeps going, and we love that. Yeah. It, I will say this, being women of a certain age, 
I have to say, when we walk into a room and there's a lot of people there, they're asking us what we think and how we did it. It gets to be like when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. It's amazing to us that we can walk in and people are waiting to hear what we have to say. I think that's also interesting that we were probably the first duo of older grandmas to go on there with a successful business that they pretty much got into a little shark fight for us. So (laughs) I have to say that when we were down there to film, we were down there with beautiful 20-somethings and 30-somethings. They all looked like they stepped out of GQ magazine. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of funny because they were sweet to us, but you could tell they were a little condescending to the sweet little grannies, probably figuring we had, what do you say? I always say they thought we had little dolls with crocheted dresses. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, we cleaned their clock. Nobody else got a deal that day. Ooh, very nice. Watch out. (laughs) So one of the things that I'm very curious about is how you two work together. You obviously knew each other for a while before you started this company. What are your roles and what have been maybe some of the most challenging parts about working together? Yeah, we've only been on projects together since 1986. (laughs) Just just a little while, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I always say if we've ever had a... I know we disagreed on things, but if we've ever had any kind of disagreement that was anything, I don't remember it. We always get along. We just have different styles of doing things. And she's the writer, so she sees things in words. I'm more visionary, visionary and I see it more in color and how it has to be. And so, but we've pretty well figured that out. It's like if it needs to be written, you go to bed. If it needs to be just colored you see charlotte in the subject (laughs) that's true we definitely play to each other's strengths and it has worked out for us i think that's so smart and i think you have to do that if you're part of a business partnership you have to figure out what the other person's strengths are and let go according to that strength you know yeah and you know what's been fun i think part of being the age we are is having the sense to really seek out people that know more about it than us they might be young but they know more in certain things. It's like, that doesn't intimidate us. It's like, bring it on, help. (laughs) (laughs) And because you would like to go home and put your feet up and read a book, it makes it so that you become master delegators too. We're very good at replicating ourselves and delegating. Talk a little bit about that. What are some of the pieces of advice that you can give to anyone listening on how to truly delegate? Because with such a quick growing business that you guys have had, you have to be very diligent about making sure that you are delegating appropriately so that you're not working 20-hour days. I never, ever micromanage. Oh, my gosh. If you get into micromanaging, you get into a philosophy that you can do it better than anyone else. And the truth is you never can do it better than everybody else. So we did learn that if we would just let people go and say, ooh, maybe that didn't work out just perfect, but next time try this, then they became able to do everything we could do. It's a very hard lesson, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs to learn. Were you guys entrepreneurial before this? (laughs) Yeah. We always say we probably have it between us and separately over the last 25 years, about 25 business cards. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) We do. And most of them have been together. We've had a few separate, but most of them have been together. But 
we never made any real money until the body care line. We could see the potential there, and then ice chips hit. And now that ice chips is moving along quite nicely, we're taking a step back and getting ready to more heavily launch the body care again because we do know it has potential to. With all of your business wisdom that you guys have experienced over all of these years, what what works for you to maintain, I don't want to say a balanced life because it's not totally a true statement in any sense of the word, but to be able to make sure that you're putting an appropriate amount of energy into your businesses and an appropriate amount of energy into all of your awesome grandkids and your family. Bev, I'll ask you first and then Charlotte, I definitely want to hear from you as well. What has worked for you guys individually to sort of make sure that you stay sane and manage all of these roles that you have? I would say a lot of my children, I have seven children, so a lot of them are in Texas. I mean, they're around the country. So I get to fly to them, and that kind of puts my obligations and time spent with them in a more containable way of doing it. But I just got back from Sun River with one family. I love it. I think that it's easy to balance the time. But the fact that we are good delegators has allowed us to have time away from the shop where we know everything's fine and everything's going to continue to be fine. And I think we're able to spend more time with our children and grandchildren today than even a year ago, for sure. So we are finding that balance right now. Charlotte, how about you? I have a different situation (laughs) where all four of my kids and 15 grandkids are right in the area here. Wow. And I had eight of them at my house, grandkids last night as an overnight, and it's fun to get to do things like that. There's always parties and things going on, so we just kind of get swept up into whatever's going on, and we can do it. And if mine are too far away, I just get caught up, swept up in her grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Bev, Charlotte, what do you guys see, like, moving forward from here? What is the big vision for where you guys really want to go? You've built an incredible company. Where do you want to take it? Well, honestly, we plan on building a very incredible company and being able to actually sell it in five to seven years. Very nice. Very good plans. You both seem very, very happy-go-lucky, very positive women. What have you done in some of your lowest moments over these years of building this company? Because there has had to be some moments that haven't been so pretty for you. So can you explain maybe what one of those moments have been and how you've gotten through it? Well, the lowest moment would be when we didn't get the deal with the Sharks but then that turned around to be yeah. that was that day I was happy. Charlotte wasn't, but within a day or two I think she's happy. We have not had very many low moments. I have to say we usually see a solution or we even have a plan B. So when things don't work out, we simply go to plan B or we rethink and see what we're after. We're pretty positive thinkers and planners. And because we don't have a lot of debt, we don't tend to get stressed out about the business. And we haven't made any giant mistakes or scary things like that. We've been very blessed that way. Okay, so I really want to bring this conversation to a close by getting into our favorite five. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you your favorites on five different things. And if you can just shoot them at me one by one, okay? So your favorite outside of ice chips candy, your favorite candy. M&M's, mint balls. Did, uh, 
What did you say? Did you say Lindvall? Those are the red and blue foil wraps. They are wonderful. She's right. What is it called? L-I-N-D-T. Oh, oh my gosh. I know exactly. That doesn't sound good when it comes to <laughs> Lind, like Lind chocolate. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. That's going to be hilarious. Okay. Awesome. So number two, your favorite business tool, Charlotte? My computer and okay. Facebook. My iPad. Very nice. Okay. Uh, your favorite vacation spot, Bev? Seabrook, Washington. Charlotte? Anything where there's warm tropical water, blue water. Very and nice. <laughs> very, very nice. All right. Number four, your favorite book? A Three Girls in Brooklyn, Always and Forever. <laughs> and mine was Atlas Shrugged. Oh, great book. And lastly, ladies, your favorite shark? Mine was Damon John. Oh, mine's still Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See, maybe you guys can circle back around and get them two in a deal together. Oh, that would be <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> that is the best quote to end the show on. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ladies, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for um, just getting really into everything that you've experienced. I really want to thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Katie. This is Charlotte Clary with Ice Chips Candy. I want to give you a fast update. There has been so much going on since we interviewed with you in 2014. It's hard to keep up with. But here's the highlights. We moved into our new 21,500 square foot uh, building about a year ago in March, and since then, everything has changed, everything. It's been a very scary, very rewarding year. We have moved from being just a health food product to mainstream candy at big chain retail checkouts like Fred Meyer's, Cost Plus World Markets. There's just a list that's starting to take place. We're in with some major distributors now, but to do that, we have had to really up our game, and being in that new building is why we took that building. We've had to bring up our standards for employee safety, building safety, food safety, and prove to these retailers that we are on board with that kind of safety stuff in the industry. Uh, we've had to do some strategic hiring with an operations manager, our sales manager for the nation that we have now was at one time a vice president with Pepsi. Uh, we now sell to the um, military. Our product is in all the bases around the world. It's also downline in the military theaters in stores that the soldiers can get to because they are not allowed to leave the base because of it being scary in Kuwait, Qatar, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Uh, we just started about a year ago doing cross-product promotions with Sony Productions. The first thing we did was the Goosebumps movie where we were able to put Goosebumps characters on some of our packaging and we got to give away free candy at some of the military bases and show the Goosebumps movie for free to them. And then uh, after 40 years of a no-candy policy, Disney 
changed their policy for ice chips candy, and we're doing a cross-promotion with them right now for the new Finding Dory movie that comes out in June. So you should be able to find some Finding Dory packaging with ice chips uh, May, June, around the country. I'm not sure where that's going yet. And then just yesterday, our product was featured on a coffee table during an interview with some actor on the Ellen Show. So we have a lot happening, but tell you what, it has been very scary. We've moved into automation. Yes, we've brought on a light investment to carry us through getting that building all redone. It's beautiful. The other big thing I was going to tell you was Wednesday night next week, Bev and I go up to Seattle to receive our award for Small Business Association Encore Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of Washington. So now it's on to national. So anyway, that's kind of cool too. Talk to you later. Bye.